Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Well, we have four games, one month into the NFL season, and as we all expected, the Arizona Cardinals have the NFL's only undefeated record. The only team at a perfect 4-0. Now, what does that mean? It means they're a game up on about a dozen other uh, NFL teams. Raiders beaten. They were 3-0, and but they lost to the Chargers. Chargers led the whole way, built a 21-0 lead. They win the game easily. The Raiders did make it close. They got it down to seven points going to the fourth quarter, but the Chargers pull away and win the game. 31-14, they get it done. So, now you got a bunch of teams at 3-1. you got the Cardinals at 4-0, and uh, you got the Raiders searching for a running game. We will talk about that with Lincoln Kennedy when he visits with us later in the week. Right now, we're going to step away from the NFL football for just a moment. We've got playoff baseball starting today, but we've also got the Jazz. The Utah Jazz opening their preseason with a uh, decisive loss to the San Antonio Spurs. They got blown out, but Joe Ingles didn't play. Rudy Gobert didn't play. Rudy Gay is recovering from foot surgery, so it'll be a, a while before he plays. Uh, there are just a ton of guys missing. The other guys are on limited minutes. I don't really make anything of it, to be honest with you. Uh, we will have the best of the Jazz post-game show. What are they trying to accomplish here in this four-game preseason? We will get to that coming up later in this hour. Right now, though, Blake Anderson talking Aggie football with PK and I as they head into a bye week with a 3-2 and two record. Here's the coach with PK and I. Coach, good morning. Good morning. So, Coach, we have talked to you multiple times this year, both after wins and losses, where the game you saw on the sideline wasn't exactly the game you saw on film. Sometimes it's for better, sometimes it's for worse. And I'm, I'm curious, after you watch that BYU game again, if you think the same thing you thought when you were talking to the media Friday night or if you've tweaked some of your evaluations. No, it's about what I thought I saw on the field, just a big physical team that, that kind of manhandled us at times and, we tried to use our speed and quickness to to dig our way back into it and got got it to a seven-point game late in the fourth, which is really all we, we ever expected. Kind of, you know, we knew it was going to be tough all night. They're built really, really well. They're huge, physical. That's why they won the games they've won and the way they've won them. But, uh, you know, we, we used some tempo. We used some speed, some quickness out in space to, to battle and, and got it to a seven-point game. Just super disappointed that we – we had a bus that, that gave up a huge run and, and just put it out of reach for us there late. I'm encouraged and discouraged at the same time. Encouraged that we were able to play the way we did against them. They are right now just so much bigger than us, really, on both fronts. And honestly, on the basically everywhere on the field, even out on the edges, much bigger, much stronger. we got to recruit and develop uh, you know, to, to, to really kind of close that gap. Uh, we just, um, you know, that, that's something that's going to take a little bit of time, but also, super encouraged with how our guys battled to get it to a seven-point game, be right where I thought we needed to be with, you know, nine minutes left in the game. Uh, I thought that our conditioning and just kind of our speed and quickness might be enough down the stretch. But, man, they, they're just big and ran over us and, and get the big run, and then we, we just weren't able to mount uh, the comeback late. So you talk about that recruiting. I'm not sure what the rules are these days because things have changed. But is this an important time for you with the bye week to send your coaches out? <laughs> Yeah, we'll get on the road this week. You know, a lot of it is is been done, but but this is that that week that you have time to get out and actually go watch a kid play in person, swing by the school, check on grades, maybe watch some kids in person that we're still making decisions on, 
still trying to fill in some gaps in the recruiting class. Now that we know our roster a little bit better, uh, you, you kind of know in spring, but you're playing yourself. Now that we've played some quality opponents, just seeing where maybe the holes are for next the next two seasons uh, in situations maybe a, a freshman in high school won't necessarily come in and fill those spots immediately. So we're we're trying to uh, to make sure that that moving forward, we've got a great group of young guys we can develop, but also maybe some uh, plug and play type opportunities as well. And this next few weeks will be big in that area. So with the transfer portal, how much is that changing recruiting? Or you don't worry about the transfer portal now, you go and recruit the best guys that you think are right for you, and then you just figure out the transfer portal stuff later. How does that work? Yeah, the transfer portal, I don't think that picture is real clear right now. You know, guys are still playing. I think, I think you know, most of those kind of decisions are made late in the year, if guys are going to stay or not. We're just trying to fill the best class we possibly can. And, and obviously, we'll keep our eyes open and see if, if we see a, a guy that we do think can come in, a veteran player that can maybe impact us at a position that we're either a little bit thin or maybe injury or graduation is going to hurt us. But you just don't know those – you don't know really those answers right now because most people are just dedicated to trying to finish the season. Uh, that, that'll change, uh, I think, as the season comes to a close and some guys are, are seeing maybe the handwriting on the wall that – that a, a new environment, maybe uh, stepping down a notch, or maybe even some guys stepping up a notch, uh, that that it creates a better opportunity for them. So we'll we're just going to have to keep our eyes open as that develops. I'm wondering, Coach, how the junior college transfer athlete uh, plays into all this as far as recruiting because obviously that used to be a critical component but how much has it changed now with the transfer portal as far as getting junior college kids yeah I think some people are still taking them the trend uh, has gone away from that uh, although in the last five to seven or so years uh, you know we we did take some guys from the Kansas Juco's on a yearly basis at Arkansas State. A lot of them were quality players for us. We took a couple here. Uh, but but it, the, the transfer portal has changed a lot of people's philosophy uh, just because they, you know, they, they would rather go with a guy that's played at this level at least right. enough to know the competition and the speed of it, the academic aspect that comes with it. You know, junior college kids, you know, most of those are, are there uh, trying to just kind of get up to speed academically and, and – that's not a that's not a challenge that everybody wants to deal with. Um, so I, it probably has hurt that that area of recruiting at the Division One level. I still think there's a lot of one AA and Division Two opportunities for the junior college kids, but maybe not as many at this level as there has been in previous years. Utah coach, uh, Utah State coach Blake Anderson joining us here. I'm I'm curious. Uh, you know, when you're three and zero and you're flying high and you lose a couple games, obviously it's going to sting. At the same time, I'm wondering if you just lost to the two best teams on your schedule and that it gives you a read for the way the rest of this season can go. I don't know how much film you've watched going forward, how much, you know, Wyoming's off to a great start. They're winning a lot of games. I don't know if you watched the film to really break that down. How much do you buy into all that line of thought and how much film have you seen to, to back it up or – you know, I think what we 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 knew that the schedule was obviously front loaded with the Power Five opponent, Air Force, always quality football. Obviously BYU and and Boise both their their records and their their traditions speak for themselves. I mean, I do believe the league. As you look, anybody can beat anybody, I, and we're not going to 
out-athlete anybody, but I, I do think we'll match up a lot better second the second half of the schedule than we did first half. Uh, there's a lot of people out there that would say we'd have been one and four at this point. We're sitting here three and two. So in that sense, there's some positive energy coming out of the first half of the season. I mean, going to Washington State and winning, going to Air Force and winning, those guys may not lose another game. They're playing super good ball. Um, I think there's a lot of positive that we can drag from it now. We're frustrated about how the last two weekends went, but I'm way less frustrated about Friday night than I am the Boise game because I felt like we played really good competitive ball most of the night with a lot less mistakes. And we played a quality op- opponent that hadn't lost many games in the last two years. I mean, 11-1 last year and 5-0. and So, I mean, you can you can take away a, 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 from a quality opponent loss as long as you play good ball. And I feel like that translates over to being a, a very competitive team over the second half of this season against conference opponents. They'll look a lot more like us. Now, we still got to go out and play, and I haven't watched them all up close. But but I think I got a good enough feel for the league to know that if, if we play we play good ball with high energy and, and and can reduce mistakes, there's there's a lot of wins left on our our schedule. And who knows if we might be right in in the mix of this whole thing when when the smoke clears. We saw that Bonner went out. I think it was non contact. Correct me if I'm wrong. Which is how's he play, uh, How is he doing right now? You know, I think he'll be fine uh, by the end of the week. He's a little sore today. Uh, he got kind of, I don't know, kind of a push and a throw at the same time, a little bit of a hyperextension. Everything looks structurally fine. Uh, he, he felt better today than he did uh, on Saturday. Uh, he's a tough guy. He uh, it, A little bit it comes back. He, he took a big shot early in the year against Washington State. It's on that same leg, so he just kind of – some of it's a little bit bad luck, but – I would expect by by the time we really get into UNLV prep uh, later in the week or early next week that that he would be ready to go and you would expect him to play. Utah State coach Blake Anderson joining us right here. So you've got, um, I I mean, just to put it in the simplest terms, you're not going to face another Tyler Algier, are you? I hope not. Goodness gracious. That dude is uh, a load. and, And not to mention he's got one of the prettiest offensive lines up in front of him anyway. So, huge shout I hope we don't come across that combination again. Uh, it was obviously a challenge, and we did not do a great job of, of slowing him down with the exception of just a few handful of drives. But, I uh, mean, he built, built so well, and they do a good job with him. And he got loose when he absolutely had to and, and put it away for him. So, I, I would like to think we'll, we'll match up a little bit better moving forward. So, this was your first in-person opportunity to have an in-state rival especially at your stadium and that was kind of cool because you can feel the energy there for sure uh, what are your thoughts about playing BYU going forward I, I love that game I mean I know it's a challenge for us and with them moving into the Big 12 you know we would only assume that it would help their recruiting but uh, I, I love the in-state rival the the atmosphere was absolutely unbelievable our fans our student section this place was rocking uh, you can see our kids get up for that game. Uh, it, it's a challenge, but it's a challenge I think we all look forward to. And to be a part of that kind of game is what, uh, to me, that's what college ball is about. And and very few people really get that. Uh, I tell our kids, man, to cherish it and enjoy it. And we'll hey, we'll, we'll get our wins. It'll be a challenge, there's no doubt. I, I get it. But we just need to recruit and develop. This is year one of, 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 of a lot of uh, a lot of work, and, and we're okay with that. So, uh I told the fans, and, and I believe it, 
just be patient. That that game will be one that we will all look forward to each each year, and and I'm glad we have it. I would much rather have that kind of challenge with an in-state rival than not get to have that opportunity. So I'm curious, you mentioned the student crowd. Did, did you lobby for the benches to change sidelines, or is that just a coincidence that it happened the year it showed up and the year you showed up? Uh, if it, if uh, it is a coincidence, that, that you lobbied decision, for That was a decision that I, I, I posed to uh, our AD, and he agreed. He thought it was a good decision. I just feel like that, you know, I, I want our guys on the home side. To me, that's the press box side. I want – I want the opposing team to have to listen to our student section for three and a half hours. And I want our student section to enjoy game day. And I think part of that is that's what kind of, like I said, high school and college ball is about. I mean, when you've got a student section like we do, man, that's a weapon. That's the 12th man. So it was a move we wanted to make. And, and I think uh, I think the student section has loved it. Our guys have, have enjoyed it and see the value in it as well. Well, Coach, we appreciate a few minutes as always and uh, enjoy the bye week. It's a different kind of week in the middle of the season. We'll talk to you again in another week. Thanks a lot. Sounds good, guys. Appreciate it. Here's Utah State football coach Blake Anderson. When we come back, you'd coach Kyle Whittingham. His first comments since another tragic shooting claims the life of another Ute. Uh, Kyle, pretty emotional. You'll hear from him coming up next. Stay with us. Ready, ready, it's game week for the Utes, and the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. The Utes look to pick up their first ever win in the Coliseum as they hit the road to square off against the Trojans of USC. Catch the Ute pregame show Saturday at 5 o'clock with the postgame show immediately following the game. From Monday morning to the postgame press conference. Nobody brings you better coverage of Ute football. You ready? Yeah! Than 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Kyle Whittingham met with the media, his weekly Monday press conference. Very little talk about the game with USC. Uh, the focus, obviously, is going to be on another Utah player gunned down, and you'll hear uh, Kyle in his own words uh, talk about how senseless it is, how things have changed, even over the last 10 years, uh, what this has done to him emotionally and the team, the flashbacks to Ty Jordan, the parallels in the situation. Uh, He did talk a little football. We'll save that for later in the week. Um, Maybe it'll be feel more appropriate when we get closer to games and uh, the game and all that. Uh, but right now, here's Kyle with the media. And he started with an opening statement. Didn't even take questions. He had a lot to get to. Uh, clearly, he wanted to share. Here's Kyle. The tragic, devastating loss of Aaron Lowe is still weighing heavy on our hearts here in our program. Uh, we miss Aaron. Uh, senseless, senseless loss. And, uh, you know, for our team to... Uh, Experience uh, the loss that we had in less than a year's period of time with with Ty and Aaron has has been a challenge. Um, it's been a struggle, but uh, we'll get through it. And so that's that's the first thing I want to make sure we address is is uh, how much we miss him and and uh, just it's just something that uh, very difficult to go through. Obviously, I um, see games. Um, Washington State game. It was good to get off on the right foot. In Pac-12 play, a uh, week ago, and uh, get the victory, home home victory uh, against Washington State. 
Uh, of course, coming off a of bye week now and heading into USC week, uh, big challenge. I know they've dropped a couple ball games this year, but they're as talented as they ever are, and uh, that uh, that's. Uh, a high level of talent is what they have and so uh, we'll have our uh, work cut out for us it's on the road down in the Coliseum which has been a, a brutal place for us to play we haven't had a lot of success there if any and uh, so we got to prepare and get ready and, and move forward which uh, which our team is uh, ready to do so questions Kyle how, how hard is it to focus on football I know obviously just even talking right now it's it's not easy to make that transition. What, what, right. What's this experience like? Uh, extremely difficult, to say the least. Um, fortunately, we had a bye week last week to regroup, I guess you can say, and and, and uh, come to terms with, uh, with the uh, tragedy. Um, and so, yeah, it's challenging. It's a challenge, and, and uh, you know, we've got... Uh, a lot of football left, and we've got to move forward and, and uh, carry on. Coach, obviously, in the last before what happened to Eric you guys were processing and mourning what happened to Ty over the previous nine months. How does what happened to Aaron last weekend kind of impact that grieving process, and how does it kind of, I don't know if it add to it is the right word, but you know, how are you sort of dealing with both? Yeah, we're, we're doing the best we can, and uh, it was surreal when I got the phone call Sunday morning. It was about 6 a.m. when I got the phone call. It was, uh, you know, those calls are never good. That's the first thing I can say is when you get those 2 a.m., 3 a.m., 4 a.m. calls, and, and uh, it's just never a good thing. And uh, it was almost the exact scenario that when I got the Ty Jordan call, it was about 5.30 a.m. in the morning when I got the Ty Jordan call. And so first thing on your mind is, oh no, you know, what's what's happened? And then you get the worst possible news, worst possible news. And uh, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's challenging and it, uh, and uh, takes everything you got to, to overcome it. Well, we have we have a great support staff here in house. We have a great uh, team of counselors and psychologists that uh, are available for our players. Our, our department's done a great job of, of assembling that team and and. Uh, we uh, had a team meeting the, the Monday right after the the uh, passing of Aaron and, and the psychologists were there and make sure that we let everybody know that that uh, it's a resource and, and they are there for the support of the team and don't try to deal with it on your own. If you're struggling, reach out. So that was the message. And, and yeah, we, we did exactly what you say, but it was in-house rather than out of the house. Kyle, when Ty died, you guys had gone your separate for the holidays already. Right. At this point, you're in the middle of the season. Your players are together. Can that be beneficial being together? I think there's some therapeutic value to that. Yes, and to help you know everyone lean on each other and and uh, support each other. And we had a, a team meeting on Monday, like I said, and, and there was a chance for players and coaches alike to express their thoughts and feelings. And I think that was that was helpful. And that was. Uh, the start of the healing process and you know the healing process the only thing that'll heal is time you can do uh, whatever you want to do and as much as you want to do but but time is really the the thing that 
that uh, is the ultimate healer. Are you guys traveling to the wake and the funeral from L.A.? Or whoever wants to go? No, we'll, we'll come back, and the uh, funeral will be on Monday. Yeah. So it's a week from today. Yeah. What were, what were your thoughts when you saw that, that the uh, police department made an arrest for Tuesday? Well, it was, it was a very positive thing, and, and uh, it gives you some sense of justice, I guess you can say, but but uh, we'll see how things transpire and, and what happens from here, but but it's progress, and uh, so I thought that was a, you know, a positive thing, and, and I know our players are uh, feeling the same way. I know that um, players are dealing with this right way, <clears throat> so the coaches, the guys especially brought Aaron into the program, mm -hmm. how are they handling it? Well, it's been difficult, as you'd expect. I mean, you lose, you got, you know, when you're a coach, uh, you know, when you're the head coach, you got 120 players and you treat them all and feel about them all like you do your own children. And so it's like, it's like losing one of your own and, and, uh, Coaches uh, feel the same way, particularly about their position group, and then the coaches that recruited the, the particular players. I mean, that impacts them tremendously, and so it's uh, you know it's 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 tough. I mean, there's there's nothing uh, nothing that uh, is uh, anything but a but a huge challenge in a situation like this. Kyle, what have you gone through, you know, in your life and in your career that kind of prepares you for how to lead people? Yeah. Yeah, and, and uh, you know, when tell our team this all the time is when you lead the leaders most is during difficult times. Anybody can lead during good times when things are going smooth, and and so this challenges us all, and and uh, particularly me as the as the leader of the program. Uh, any particular event, I mean, I've had very difficult things happen to me in my life and, and losses of uh, loved ones, and so I would say your entire body of of your life is the preparation you know just just uh going through life's ups and downs and and uh, that's that's uh you know just as a generic statement just it prepares you it's you know it's prepared me and helped me in this situation but but uh, each situation is so unique and so uh you know just uh just so difficult to deal with, but but uh, you draw from your experience. Yeah. In terms of grief and players processing things, has anybody come to you and said that they're just not up for playing this week? No, or nobody. Yet? Nobody's mentioned that, and uh, we had a. Uh, uh, we had two team meetings last week. We had one right on Sunday when when we just learned of the event, and uh, it was, uh, you know, and. Everybody knew it wasn't. You know, news travels so fast. There was nobody in that meeting that, that wasn't aware of what happened. But, but that was the first team meeting that we had. Then we had a, a team leadership council meeting uh, Sunday night because I wanted to get the feedback from the from the leaders and and uh, as far as uh, you know how we were going to move forward and what the what the plan was and and just to make sure that uh, coaches and players were all on the same page. So. Uh, what will you remember most about Aaron? And, and his impact? Aaron, a lot of the same things I remember about Ty. Just a, a guy that had a smile on his face all the time. Walked into a room and just was was uh, just lit up the room. I mean, the, the same comments and, and uh, description of Ty fits fits Aaron, and I think that's maybe why they were so close. You know, they were they were a very close friendship, and and uh, they were very similar in their personalities. And uh, of course, they played different positions and that type of thing. But, but as far as who they were as a, as people, uh, was uh, there was a lot of common ground there. 
Coach, um, how much concern do you have that sometime in the near future, in the throes of a game, one or more of your players are going to have some sort of flashback or some sort of response that potentially could take them back to a memory of Aaron or, I don't know, maybe they were at the party or something that could possibly put them in harm's way on the field? Uh, you know, I hadn't thought of that. That's something that I uh, hadn't, hadn't, uh, hadn't considered. But, uh, you know, when you get when you get in a football game, it's you go into game mode and you go into a different state of mind. And so uh, I think that uh, I guess there's a possibility of that. But I would I would say that, uh, you know, when a player, when a football player is in game mode, uh, he blocks everything else out and just focuses on, on what's going on. Do you get, do you get the sense that players, not that they want to put this past them, obviously they want to grieve, they want to do this, but football is an opportunity for them to kind of just, like you mentioned, kind of get out of that experience and just play? I mean, yeah. And, and especially with an opponent like USC, how does, how does that work? Yeah, and that's exactly the sentiment that the uh, Leadership Council said is this, you know, the best the best way to heal and the best way to uh, get through this together is to get back to doing what we what they love and what they're here you know one of the main reasons they're here obviously getting their education is the primary reason but but uh, that's getting some getting back to some sense of normalcy but at the same time you know you never put it out of your mind but it's it's uh, you know it's just a, a therapy in and of itself I guess you could say getting back on the field follow that up from a football standpoint, these guys came out of Washington State with some injuries, with the three safeties. Yeah. Um, and Makai Bernard, can you offer anything on those? No, we don't ever offer injury information during the so season. Any season-ending injuries? No, we do mention season-ending. There's no season-ending injuries out of that. Yeah, so it's kind of our our mo and how we handle that. You, you talked a lot this season of trying to clean up some mistakes and games and everything. Is this going to be even harder now with with the distraction? Or do you feel like players are maybe maybe it's a little bit more attention to detail or whatever that may be? Well, we'll see. You know, I can't I can't predict one way or another, but. Uh, there were certainly a lot of things that uh, we have to work on and, and continuing to continuing to work on. But but uh, whether this provides more focus, I could I couldn't tell you. I couldn't answer that. Kyle, how are you? <laughs> Hanging in there. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's uh, challenging. It's you know you just you, a million things go through your head and, and you just. You know, keep going over and over the, uh, you know, essentially the same thoughts, and and uh, it it uh, really uh, brought back Ty's passing. I mean, it, it kind of all is wrapped into one now, and, and uh, so it's uh, been the most challenging year of my coaching career, hands down, without any question at all. Have you had a conversation with your players about? You know, going to parties and things like that. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's that's a conversation we've had probably a thousand times, and but this even heightens that and makes them aware that it's a different world we live in today. It's not it's not the same as it was even ten years ago, and, and you got to be careful. And, and that's not to say that Aaron put himself in a you know pointing a finger, say, hey, look, don't do that. But you just got to be aware. You got to be aware that that uh, things have changed and. Uh, and uh, try to keep yourself in safe situations.
So what, what's your message to the team moving forward again in USC? Obviously, this is a tough environment. This is it's not easy. Mm-hmm. What's the message now going this game? Well, the message is we've got to prepare and have a great week of practice, just like it takes to win any ball game. You've got to you've got to do your work Monday through Friday, and and uh, that's our challenge. They had a they had a uh, terrific week of practice, Washington State week. You know that was our best week of practice and preparation of the whole year, and and uh, I think uh, it showed on. Although we put the ball on the ground a bunch of times, but but uh, for the most part, it, uh, particularly on defense, it showed, and so that's the same message. You know. Our, our guys know what it takes to win at this level. It's, it's, uh, you know, it's very challenging and it's, it's uh, all-encompassing. You know, you got to live your, you got to do things right all week long. You got to eat, sleep, hydrate, practice, lift, study filming. There's so much to the process, and they, they get that, they understand that, and, and there really is no, no way around that, regardless of circumstances. Coach, you're going to do something similar with Aaron Bowen that he did. Yeah, exactly. And we're in this. We're in the formative process of formulating and, and deciding, uh, you know, what we're going to do with Aaron, just like uh, in his remembrance, just like we were with Ty. And uh, I think there'll be some common ground as well that, that both of them get celebrated, uh, you know, in ways. And number twenty-two, you won't see anyone wearing number twenty-two in this program again, at least as long as, long as I'm the head coach. And, and uh, we'd like to see that retired permanently. That's that's our wish. And. and uh, I think you'll see that happen. All right, there is Kyle Whittingham, and um, you just got a feel for the football team right now. Just an incredible series of events, horrific, and uh, double layers of horrific now over the course of the last nine months. And uh, they're going to try and get ready and play a football game. It is um, what they love to do. And Kyle said you do get in the zone when, when you prepare for the game, when you're actually playing the game. So maybe that'll help, but just an, another awful awful moment for the Utes. Uh, we're going to take a break. When we come back, the best of the Jazz Post Game Show. Stay with us. It's game week for the Cougars. And the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. It ain't over till it's over. It's back-to-back Mountain West Conference opponents for the Cougars as they welcome in Boise State to Lavelle Edwards Stadium for a showdown against the Broncos. Listen all week for your chance to win tickets to the game and then catch the Cougar pregame show Saturday at 1230 with the postgame show immediately following the game. From Monday morning to the post-game press conference, nobody brings you better coverage of Cougar football than 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. The Utah Jazz, uh, many of them, but not all of them, opened the preseason in San Antonio with a decisive loss, but uh, a lot of starters didn't play. The guys who did play, like Mitchell and Conley, did not play a lot. Clarkson didn't play much either, so uh, not a lot to draw from. What do they take away, though? Maybe a few things. Here's the best of the postgame show. Your Jazz recap here on DJ and PK on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Jake Scott with you. Jazz got their uh, 2021-2022 campaign started, preseason anyway. Last night they lose to the San Antonio Spurs 111-85. to uh, The Jazz were led by uh, rookie Jared Butler, who uh, had a slow start but had a really nice second half, finished the game with 16 points and 6 of 15 shooting. Uh, uh, Trent Forrest had 11 points. Points coming in off the bench. Donovan Mitchell uh, finished the night um, 
or excuse me, Jordan Clarkson had 11 points. Apologies. And Donovan Mitchell had uh, 10 points on 5-19 shooting in uh, 22 minutes. A little bit of a kind of a, a clunky game for the Utah Jazz. They had trouble figuring out, you know, kind of what their speed is. But, of course, they were missing Rudy Gobert, Joe Ingles, Rudy Gay, and uh, Boyan Bogdanovich. So certainly some players that are going to play a big-time role on this team. Saw a lot of young players last night. Adoka Azabuki got uh, 25 minutes to lead all players for the Jazz. Elijah Hughes also had 25. Trent Forrest with 23. Um, Elijah Hughes actually got a start, got the start in, in place of uh, Boyan Bogdanovich. So seeing a lot of the younger players getting a look at uh, what they can do, and uh, you know some of these guys uh, mainly thinking Elijah Hughes maybe didn't get the opportunity with no G League last year, no training camp, and and the bizarre year to get out there and play 25 minutes and show what they can do. All right. Let's get to some post-game sound. Let's start things off with Jazz head coach Quinn Snyder. I mean, I, I think we saw some of the same things we've been talking about. You know, he plays with poise. Um, you know, I thought we all were a little fatigued at certain times. And when you're fatigued, um, it shows in, you know, in, in parts of the possession, whether it's, you know, sprinting back and getting shifted, you know, so they see more of a crowd running the possession. But, you know, Jared's shown his ability to not just put the ball in the basket, but to make plays for other people. How valuable is it for a guy like Jared to be on a team with someone like Mike Talk? You know, it's tremendously valuable. You know, you can see Mike talking to him out of timeouts, Donovan talking about out of timeouts. We've got guys that, you know, that like to communicate and they're trying to help those younger guys get better. Rudy's talking this song, you know, and that that's a big part of those younger players and their newer players to, you know, to develop. Um, you know, it takes some time to kind of get a feel for a system and the way a team plays and playing with other people. And to the extent that, you know, the guys on the team are encouraging them in those things, it's good. How about, just real quick, what about Eric Pascal, another kind of new player that, uh, how do you think? Coach yeah, I, you know, I thought Eric took, took good shots, you know, and um, I also thought he got into the lane and, and, you know, made some good plays for his teammates when he got in there. Um, and it's good to see a guy play with passion. You know, I think that's, you know, he's got a lot of pride in, in how he plays and um, was happy with that, how he competed too. Okay, we'll go okay. to one more, I'm sorry, one Zoom. Guys, confuse me. Uh, one from Ryan Hasteka, That'll be it. Okay. Overall, just with it being, you know, your first preseason game, are you happy with the amount of minutes that, you know, the guys were able to play? And do you think that's going to be a benefit moving forward as far as players like Donna? I mean, sorry, as far as Jared and Eric? You know, any time guys get a chance to get their feet wet, you know, in Jared's case, you know, as a rookie in Eric's case is, you know, a new player with our team. Um, I think those minutes, you know, serve to provide some continuity and, and understand some of the things that, that we're trying to do. Um, our execution, you know, in general needs to be better. Um, you know, that's, again, I think not to write it off on a first preseason game, but I, I didn't think we were as sharp as we needed to be, particularly with our spacing. So much of what we do depends on the precision of our spacing. You know, you guys have heard that from me for a while, and the reason I say it is because it's true. All right. Thank you. Okay. There's Jazz head coach Quinn Snyder. His team falls 111 to 84, 85, excuse me, in San Antonio in preseason game number one. Let's now get to the players. Let's start things off with Donovan Mitchell. 
I saw you and Mike both talking to Jared Butler kind of in timeouts and different. This is kind of the first that we're seeing him in live action. What what did you see out of him tonight? Um, very poised. You know, I think, you know, for it to be his first preseason game and him, you know, obviously he was kind of attacking, you know, more so than being aggressive. And that's that's no problem. Kind of reminds me of my myself, my rookie year, kind of just being in attack mode, but now you know, he's, he's, he's slowing down. He's making, you know, good reads as far as getting to the bucket. So I think the biggest thing now is we're just trying to tell him, you know, find ways to get teammates in, involved. And it's not a bad thing, you know, because in school he was he was the scorer, you know, and then he had Davion and, and uh, Macy over to kind of do it. So now it's kind of being able to do both. You know, I had to go through the same progression. Um, but I think for him, he, he looked good. He looked really good. And, you know, I think he's, 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 he's going to make a, a huge jump once he starts figuring things out, the speed of the game, the pace and all that. But he's, he looked good. We know how valuable Mike has been just in his short time here for you. How valuable is it for a guy like Jared in a rookie season to have you and Mike on the same team? Yeah, I think, you know, for us, just passing down the knowledge, you know, I think that's the biggest thing is just as much as we can, trying to help him become the best basketball player he can be, but also being the best basketball player he can be for our team as well. You know, I think, and that's, that's where we see us talking about situations and stuff that we see. And, you know, he's the thing about him is that he loves the information loves absorbing information and he's quick to ask questions and he doesn't act like he knows the answer. He's willing to listen. And I think that's what makes it even better and even more fun for us to be able to go and talk and, you know, critique him on certain things. When you see, you know, the way he runs pick and roll, the way, you know, search dribble, the way um, he runs over pace, puts people in jail, you know, is that atypical for somebody of his age or is that something that, that you thought that he had in his bag from, from day one? Um, I didn't know he had that, to be honest. Um, I think, you know, the biggest thing that, I, like you said, the, the biggest thing that I saw just his pace coming off, you know, being able to kind of manipulate the big and, and be able to manipulate the reads. And, you know, a lot of times his finishes, and he'll get better at finishes and getting angles. So those ones where he's getting blocked, you know, obviously he's not the taller, so he has to do it a certain way. You know, similar to like my finishes in the second half where I'm going, making the angles post a little bit wider as opposed to going right at the big because he's seven feet. And he'll understand that, he'll get that. But to be, to be able to do that his first like his first year, it's very impressive, not for sure. Just game-wise, team-wise overall, what, I mean, what was the biggest issue you saw tonight that you will get? Um, yeah. We tweaked a bunch of things in our offense. Um, I'll start with offense, I go defense, but offensively we tweaked a bunch of things. Not I wouldn't say a bunch of things, but we tweaked a few things. And I think just being able to think instinctively. Um, guys learning stuff, but then also spacing. That's really it. You know, there there are times where we're not spaced, we're really not sure, we're kind of figuring stuff out. And I think once we get more comfortable with each other and comfortable within the system, we'll be we'll be fine as as a group, especially with, you know, at that point Eli starting his first game, Hassan's out there not necessarily sure. And it's it's not a bad thing, you know, it comes with it and it's gonna that's the part of our system is gonna grow. But you know, I think that's the biggest thing offensively is just understanding where to be kind of doing things and making and then we're a read based offense. And if you don't know no necessarily know all the reads at one spot, you know, it take, takes a while to kinda of get used to it. So we'll be good as far as that goes. And we shot shoot. Like thirty percent, I went five and nineteen. Like you know, what I mean, like it's we, we didn't make shots, you know, and that that happens, you know, and it's not it's the first preseason game. We'll get better and we'll evolve, but defensively, I think the biggest thing is off, they started getting. I think they had twenty offensive rebounds in the first twenty rebounds, I should say, in the first quarter. Seven of them offensive, um, and I think for us being able to get them off the glass, we didn't run. You know, that limits our transition when we get a lot of our threes, a lot of our shots, and um, that changed the game. And then just contain the ball, but little things that we can adjust and tweak and, and fix. You want to run? We've got one on, two on Zoom. Sorry, we'll hold up. We're going to start with Ryan Gusteca. He's on Zoom.com. Hey, Dom. How you doing, man? How you doing? 
Good, good. So just based on what I asked, how good does it feel just to be back playing again? Just, you know, after the off season, all the questions about, you know, the playoff exit, just, is it nice to be back just playing again and just being with your teammates? Yeah, I think, you know, it's just freeing, you know, you just coming out there and, and, and kind of, like I said, learning guys that, that especially with the way we started with Hassan, like trying to figure out Hassan, trying to figure out Eli, like Eli's getting a chance to play and improve himself. And I've been, I think we've all been really impressed with the way Eli's played and his, his growth from year one to year two. Um, to be able to play with everybody as a group, learning things and continuing to grow, I think is you what know, makes this group fun. You know, we're going to take this and, and take the film and get ready for, for, for Dallas, but it's just good to be back. <clears throat> excuse me. And, and on top of that, it's good to be back with fans. Like kind of right there. You know, I think that's like, even it's weird. Like we were down, but like the fact that t- fans are kind of rooting against you in that, in that sense, it's just like, you know, that you missed that, you know, we had that in the playoffs towards the end of the year, but it's not like that in every arena or wasn't last year. So to kind of have that, I think that's what's most fun for me, you know, being able to kind of play in an away arena. Cause we all know what Vivian's like, uh, especially come playoff time. So being able to have the crowd against you, I think was, was pretty fun as well. All right, and one last question, Eric Walden. Hey, Don, good to see you. Uh, so you were talking about things that, like, you and Mike can knowledge that you guys can pass down to Jared. Uh, can you expand on that just a little bit? Like, I assume that there are things that are, like, kind of general to all rookies coming into the system and then things that are specific to his game as well. Just what are some of those things that you're, you're specifically helping him out with? I think the, the first thing I told him was, you know, being his his angles you know um and I, I referenced that earlier you know there was two i think two or three times he got a shot block you know and um you know as opposed to you coming off the pick and roll and you want to you want to sneak it or cut back you know instead of going at the rim go wider you know being able to get that touch shot like him and i we've worked we worked on it a few times but the reps that's all it is is reps and getting used to going this way and kind of creating that pocket so if i want to hit the big it's there if i want to throw a lob it's there and him and I are small, he, him and Mike are small. So we need that little bit of extra room. You know, it's different than like a Joe, uh, a Joe Ingles or like a Bullion where they can get it and throw it over the top. You know, we're, we're six, one, six, two and, and whatnot. So we got to be able to get that space and create that gap, but also be create that gap to finish, you know? And then I also told him, you know, understanding that the low man is going to come over and help every time, every time you snake it and come back, they don't want the big in the lob. So that corner guy's going to be wide open. So if you can, if you can learn to, attacking the pick and roll, not think pass, you know, because if you think pass, that's where the turnover is coming. You're not being aggressive. Understand getting into the paint, but also know that they're, they're kind of helping, uh, they're helping on the weak side to be able to find that pass. And, you know, just in that in itself is a lot to kind of throw at him, but he's the type of kid that I feel like you can kind of say all those different things and he's able to pick it up quickly. But that's just, that's one example uh, being able to find that because he's able to get there, but there's certain times where, you know, his shot, wouldn't get blocked in college because, you know, it's, it's different, you know, but now you got bigs who understand, understand how to manipulate the guard as well as us trying to manipulate the big. There's Donovan Mitchell, 10 points, 519 shooting in 22 minutes. He had three assists and a couple of rebounds as well. Let's move on to uh, Jared Butler playing his first game in the NBA last night. Here's what he had to say after the game. Well, what was that, that difference? Yeah, that was exactly what it was. Just getting a little more comfortable. Um, you know, it's first time playing an NBA game. There's a lot of emotions and stuff like that. Um, I played a national championship game, so I wasn't nervous, just trying to get comfortable. Uh, that's what it was. People talk a lot about pace, speed, how everyone's bigger and stronger in the mm-hmm. NBA. You feel that right away? Yeah, and the, just the pace of the game of how many points scored is just, like, nonstop. There's no, like, I don't know, it's, it's, it's definitely faster. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's fun, though, really fun. How valuable is it to you to be able to have guys like Mike Conley and Donovan Mitchell in front of you to learn from in your rookie year? Oh, it's so um, 
just so thankful because, you know, those guys have been in the league, uh, Mike, longer than, than Don, but I'm watching Mike still do it. You know, he's doing his same old boring habits, and it's um, just amazing to see. And then Donovan, how he just, um, you know, takes me under his wing, working out before practice, stuff like that. Like, it's um, it's it's really – I'm just really thankful for it, to be honest. Were you uh, surprised uh, a little uh, by just – you know, long arms, quickness, Murray, um, then, you know, Derek White, you know, NBA level rotation starting guards. I mean, what was, what was that like? For you? Yeah. Um, DeJounte, um, he definitely tried me a couple of times. Like when I was driven, he just, you know, but, um, yeah, it's, it's faster, but, um, yeah, yeah, without a doubt, it's faster. But um, I, I think I'm I'm getting adjusted to it. I, I get adjusted very fairly quickly. Um, but, um, yeah, you're right on the head. So we were just talking to Donovan who said, hey, you know, on some of those shots where you got blocked, maybe he wants you to go a little bit wider on that play to kind of do his scoop layup from yeah. the side, right? I'm kind of curious, like, how what kind of how big of an adjustment is that for you to try to do? And, you know, you're a guy who can get where you want on the floor, but to go a couple feet wider and kind of make that a more difficult play to defend. I think it just depends on the type of person you are. Um, can you handle criticism and can you handle, like, being able to, like hear what he's saying, but like actually visualize what he's what he's saying and, and uh, replicate it on the court. Um, and for me, I'm 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 a pr- fairly fast learner. And um, you know, when he Donovan tells you something, I'm like, all right, bet. Like if if it works for him, working for me. So um, yeah, I think it's just the type of person you are. Good on here. Okay, we're one on Zoom. Big catch. Go ahead. Yeah, just kind of wanted to get your initial assessment of your first NBA action. I know you've been practicing with the team and played. Uh, you didn't play summer league, but what was your first experience with NBA action like? I, I played an okay game. I think I played like a six out of ten. Um, but you know, it's just the way the the dice rolls, the way the cookie crumbles. But um, <laughs> I don't know. It's just I, yeah, I, I'm giving myself a six. See, that's Jared Butler, 16 points on six of 15 shooting in game number one. As I mentioned earlier, got off to a little bit of a slow start, but then really picked it up in the second half and did some very nice things. Let's wrap up the player sound with Hassan Whiteside. What do you see as like, oh, okay, that's something I've got to maybe read a little bit better. What are you feeling like came naturally to you with the team? Um, I think like uh, Jordan Clarkson setting a pick and roll with him, um, setting a pick with Mike. Even Don, getting him to his right hand more. Um, just different things like that. Just um, just figuring out what guys like. How long, how long is that? Because at your different stops, how long does that process take to kind of adapt to understanding the spots that guys like and their tendencies? Um, you know, they, they're making it easy. You know, I think they're making my, um, my transfer here as easy as possible. You know, I'm picking up the plays. You know, I learned probably five new plays today. So just every down, they they bring in even they bring in new stuff. Um, that guys that wasn't here even didn't know. So uh, just picking that up and and reading what guys like to be. Defensively, how different is point system for you? Oh, uh, it's a lot different. You know, I'm a little more at the rim. Uh, we invert. We invert. Um, I'm pretty much getting a corner guy. You know. Um, but I, I like it. I like it. You know, I'm still working at it. You know, um, I think I could have been better at um, touching the guy when they ran the actions. Um, I think I switched a little too much. So uh, they got like a lot of like a couple open dunks. But I think just a little more just stand um, with my man and at the rim. I think I'm going to do that better next time.
what do you see out of you, you guys, you know, just, you know, on both ends of the floor um, mm-hmm. throughout the first half when, when a lot of the rotation guys were playing? Um, you know, them guys was playing hard. You know, I, I think we got the looks that we wanted. Um, we just missed the shots, you know. Um, I think Mike missed like two or three wide open threes that I'm okay with. Um, Don was getting it going. Um, we got a lot of new faces, so so that second half was like a big a big thing for us, you know, just getting them guys acclimated. Getting the chance, I mean, you've played with a lot of good guards in your team, mm-hmm. right? So where does Jared Butler kind of rank as a rookie coming in and kind of like where, you know, kind of, what is your initial impression of him? Uh, he liked to score, you know, but I'm 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 telling him, you know, you gotta um just just when they're going over, they're going over so much, you can attack that big man, you know, and uh, that opens up a lot of things for you. Cause when they're going over you so much, if I'm rolling, that that was bringing in that corner man, and that corner is more open than you think it is, more open than it is in college, cause it's a bigger court. Uh, we have one on Zoom. You guys sat in here. Okay, we'll go to Zoom. Now we have two. Eric Walden, so interview. Hey, Hassan, you've told us a, a couple times now that you enjoyed uh, playing in this system, that you've been looking forward to it. Was it. What is it about Quinn's defensive scheme that you enjoy playing in? What's uh, What's different about it and what, what challenges does it present to you? Uh, it's different because um, they invert, um, say, like, I got uh, – Say I got the big man, he's at the top of the key, and um, it's another guy at the corner three. Um, as long as it ain't one pass, we kind of invert, and then just, just keeping me around the rim more often. You know, um, that invert is just where, where I switch. I tell JC to go up, and I come back, and um, I take the corner man so I can just be able to paint a little more. But it's also adjustment because – just guarding, just guarding the, um, just guarding the paint and and jabbing and saying we're okay with them guys shooting mid range jumpers. You know, um, a lot of times I want to kind of contest that or try to go for that block, but um, I mean that's what we pretty much want. We want them to, as long as I stay in front of the big man rolling, we want them to take them contested jumpers. All right, we have one last question, Brian from UtahJazz.com. I mean, you guys are without four key contributors tonight. How much stock do you guys put into a game like this? I mean, it's the first preseason game with a bunch of new guys. Where do you guys go from here now? Um, you know, I think we watch film and we just we just critique different things. You know, I think we got something out of it. You know, I don't think we get too high or low on this game. Is um, the guys that's going to be playing during the season wasn't really out there as much, so. We working with um a lot of new faces, but um I think I think it gave coach a lot of time to see what's what and how guys like to play and just different things and aspects like that. There's Hassan Whiteside. He got the start last night in place of Rudy Gobert. He played 14 minutes in his Jazz debut, six points to go along with 10 rebounds. Up next for the Utah Jazz preseason game number two, they will be in Dallas coming up tomorrow night. Tip off will be at 6:30. Uh, pre-game begins at 5:30. There's the best of post game show. When we come back, what is trending? All the headlines on the way. Stay with us.